Welcome to Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and to my left is Roy. There is actual Padres baseball Dude, on TV. Yes, baseball, baseball, fan, fan, freaking fantastic! It's back. It is so back, and um, it, it's kind of good that these last couple games that I've I've been at work and I've had to like they're day games, and I've had some day shifts recently, and they coincide with me working, so I don't you know, and I've been busy, so I haven't been able to watch the game. Oh, like, you can't we, like stream it on the down low. Well, no, the night games, absolutely at work. Like this Saturday, my boss doesn't listen to this. Like this Saturday, um. <laughs> I'll be at work later night. The UCSD baseball team will be playing. I'm going to flip that bad boy on, you know, through the computer at work. Um, I can watch the game in between, you know, doing other stuff. I call that doing administrative work. Oh. Uh, whenever I do it. But we got home. You know, the game was on yesterday at noon. Uh, and then we got home last night and we watched the game. And we're doing the same thing tonight. So I haven't seen it. Seen a little bit of stuff on Twitter. But but you're not the guy that's like, don't tell me what happened because yeah. I recorded it. No, 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 Don't tell me the score. No, I'm not that guy. I, okay, good. Because if they're losing, we might just skip through the parts where we score. Like sometimes right. Liddy finds out like, oh, they got blown out. Like we won't watch the game. So <laughs> do you get the MLB.TV? Do, do you subscribe to that? Yeah. Have you seen their condensed games? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I love that that yeah. you can just like it's like ten minutes and you've got all the important stuff that happened in the game, but I the even better is that there's not a whole lot of commentary. Like they'll they'll have the the commentators at the beginning as they're introducing like the starting pitchers, right? And then after that, it's just the Every sounds point. of the game. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of cool. It is kind of cool. Every out, and you see all the hits and all the all the runs scored. Yeah. Um. Yeah, me and Lita, we share you know we share her MLB. She gets it free through T-Mobile, I believe. So. Um, right, yeah. I, I log into. <laughs> I saw Paul Paul Reindel, you know the Ben and Woods. Yeah, he said today that he was with T-Mobile for like 15 years, and then just this off season he quit and went to AT and T, and then he just saw that they announced that everybody, all the T-Mobile subscribers get free MLB TV. Yeah, but some, something <laughs> I noticed, and God, we're going on about phones. Her her her, she can't get service at at Petco. Oh, like it's yeah. funny how you see a big pink. T-Mobile sign in right field, and then her phone reception is shoddy at best. Yeah. And then every time she does it, because I talked to her and getting T-Mobile before my work to pay for my phone, uh, you know, and she's like, yeah, T-Mobile, thanks for having me get on this plan. But anyways, talk about Ben and Woods. They've been killing it out at spring training. They have been. They've been interviewing all kinds of guys. Yeah. I listened to Chris Paddock yesterday while I was driving in, and yes. then today they had A.J. Preller, because I'm driving to work at like 6.45, 7 o'clock. Yeah. So that's what I heard yesterday and today. And Chris gives a really good interview. You can tell he's gotten a little bit more comfortable being around a microphone and talking to people. It, so there's, there's a, through that intensity, you do see a, a lightness. You do see some, you hear some things that are like, you know, how when you say something funny, you're supposed to say it in a different tone. But when he says something like very dry, you're like, oh, that's, oh my God, that's funny. <laughs> you know, and I heard the same thing. I heard his interview and I was just, I had to leave when Bebo came on. And, uh, but I caught that later on. You know, and, it's not a mullet. It's no, a Texas it's tailgate. Texas tr- tailgate is freaking awesome. <laughs> I love it. East County tailgate, we call it here in San Diego. And yeah. then today, uh, I drove in today. Like a, like a Poway Pompadour? Like a Poway Pompadour. <laughs> Poway is not East County. It's North County. Oh, come on now. It is North County. Um, <laughs> they, they have a rodeo. <laughs> hey, before we go on, and I want to get back to Ben Woods here in a second. Uh, later on, we're going to have Mason Fioli uh, come back on. We're going to check on his rehab and do, we're going to talk rock and roll we're gonna talk music to him yeah because he listens to the same stuff that i like the stuff that i listened to when i was 
yeah. a teenager. So if you don't like hard rock and roll and some progressive metal, it, you might want to listen to uh, you know just him talk about the rehab stuff and yeah. then turn it off. Oh, we'll mix it up. But so and the Kinsey Gore came in today this morning oh. and another freaking I thought it was a fantastic interview and he was cool you know Gore's Mac is so he's got, he's the confidence level is through the roof he's um incredibly he's not the humble isn't the word like they asked him a question he's go like, well what do you, of course I'm going to say that pitch was he's like they asked him hey so the other day you were throwing a uh, batting practice against Manny and uh, you had a full count and that last pitch was in a backdoor slider front door slider uh, was it a ball or a strike? And he's like, oh, come on. I, you know I'm going to say it was a strike, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody else said it was a strike. Right. Maybe everybody except right. for Manny. <laughs> you know, it was funny because, like, he, he would, you would think he would say, well, I don't want to be stepping on Manny's toes and saying it was a strike. But... No, man. You got, you're up on that mound. You, you need to yeah. have a pair. Yeah, absolutely. You got to have the confidence that, yeah, I got it done. <laughs> I don't care who's stepping in there. You know, and then uh, then Taddy was saying, uh, sorry, Carlos, I said Taddy. Um <laughs> Um, Tatis or Bibble? Yeah, El Bibble. Uh, it was nasty. Nasty you know, how? Nasty during na- nasty nasty boys like Janet Jackson nasty. Oh okay. No, like his pitching was nasty. Oh, that's what Tatis said about Gore. Yeah, a couple days ago when he. Well, that's what everybody says about him. Gore. Well, that's what's going to happen. When and, yeah, inside. the world's about to find out. But not to be outdone. So I saw that they've got they apparently they've got Gore and Patino and uh, Reggie Lawson and some of the other young pitchers. They're on like a a bit of a delayed start. So they're they're ramping them up a little bit more yeah. slowly than everybody yeah. else, and that's a good idea because you know that uh, Patino and Gore both pitched about 100 innings last year, so they're gonna they're they're gonna stretch out maybe like 130, 150, but you need to spread that out across the year, so yeah. don't waste all those bullets in spring training. Yeah, and it's very telling when Tingler said, "Yeah, he's pitching in seven to eight months," and I think Edge Castillo picked up on it, or someone picked up on it on Twitter said, "Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, yeah, they're gonna be, you know, in the big leagues really quick." Oh yeah. And there's a good reason why you don't have your top prospects throwing early in spring training. You don't need them to be. No. You, you really need your other guys that, like, the first lineup, you know, was great until it rained out. But the next day was all guys that are trying to make the team. Yeah, well, people read a lot into it. Yeah. So they're out there to get their work in. And so you're going to see some. he'll get a start, he'll get a couple innings in the field, he'll get his two or three at-bats, and then he's done, and they bring in the minor leaguers. And that's just that's just how it works. So people read so much into lineup construction. Like, yeah. oh, why is Abraham Almonte batting in that? <laughs> They're just there because, like, Hosmer might be hitting second in the order, not because they think he's a number two hitter, but because they want to get him his two at bats and send and him to him the out. showers. Right, right. You know, it's it's that simple. It's not. Yeah. Don't overcomplicate things yet. They're yeah. not. They're not trying to win the. I mean, yeah, they want to win the game, but absolutely. You're you're building your roster, or you're building your lineup, and you're 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 executing the game with different goals in mind. Right, and and maybe there be there's some like okay that looks kind of good uh, in, in the lineup, but the pitchers aren't pitching to the lineup either. They're just trying to get their work done. Right, um, and that's where it comes to uh, you know spring training stats don't matter unless they're good spring training stats. So one stat that I think mattered today is that Paddock had what to pitch. Three innings and it was two innings, four strikeouts. Yeah, and was it was it? like twenty-five pitches. Yeah, nice, efficient outing. El Mole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> La, La Mole, La Mole took him. La Mole. Yeah, it hit a nice double off him. He knew he was going to get first pitch fastball. Yeah, yeah. So that's something that last year at the end of the year, Paddock was apparently he was trying to learn how to pitch around the fringes and not just pound the. He's it's rare that you have somebody that can just go out there and pound the strike zone. Yeah. 
But if if they know that a strike is coming, they're going to sit on it. Yeah. So nibble a little bit. He, it sounds like he needs to learn. Well, he is learning to do that. And it was a cool picture. Um, James Clark from EBT News uh, had a picture of Frenchie and Lamole walking to the field today. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, those guys go back. And I think yeah. they were they were signed together. Like they knew each other before before signing with the Padres. Those guys have been close friends for a long, long time. Do maybe we said something about like that maybe last year or the first year of the podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've we've talked about that before. Interesting, but it's great to to get you know, it's great to get those first five or six innings in and then seeing everyone else come right. back in. Yeah. I mean Vossler's starting to hit the ball really well. He is. And and we talked about it before we got on was um Hudson Potts. Yeah, he looks so good. He looks so good at the plate, but the the beard, man, I'm like, that's, whoa. It's like a Fidel Castro Honey. look. That's the first thing I thought when I saw him. <laughs> dude, it, it does. It looks ragged. He's a good looking dude, and I think he ruins it with the beard. No, 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 no. He, but, he can, he's got it. But if the, hey, if the beard gets him fired up and gets him hitting the ball, we're all for it. So his, his stroke looks great. He's yeah. got such a short, quick bat and and it seems like everything he's hitting is a laser beam yeah you know right center center today he hit one over the center fielder's head and it was one of those you can tell it's one that goes straight at the center fielder kind of rises a little bit right and he doesn't have time to get back and get and go get it <laughs> it's just the kid is so strong so it's good to see him making some some hard contact yeah i were i'm really excited so uh, somebody else who's making hard contact is edward olivares yes he's looking really good so far he hit that home run today you know, these guys, they get a little opportunity. They have a chance to show what they can do. And so nobody's really thinking about Edward Olivares or Jorge Onya is making the, the big league team. But a, a good audition now, they might be up sooner than they thought. Absolutely. Onya looks like a tank. He is so big. God, he's a tank. He is thick. Dude. He, yes. I mean, he's just a he's built like a tank. Um, I only saw one at bat from him. I, maybe he'll get another bat today. I, we haven't watched the game yet. But uh, I, I'm glad that he's healthy. Another guy that hit 375 in like 40 games until he got hurt, and they pulled him for the season. Yeah, a big 19, you know, 2016 signing. How much we gave him? Like 11 million. No, I think he got four, 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 nine. We gave him, but it's still a lot. Gave him a lot of money. Oh yeah, and he was just starting to show uh, the potential that we saw that the Padres saw in him mm-hmm. uh, before he got shut down. So right. to have him back healthy. Because he struggled, I and mean, for a couple yeah. of years, it's like this guy's not doing anything. Yeah, and the, the you know he banged his head with the with the foul home run ball. <laughs> the most weirdest injury of all: the home run off the foul pole into the head. Yeah, and then last year, <laughs> I'm not sure what it was. A it was a shoulder. It was a shoulder? Yeah, it was a rotator cuff or torn yeah. labrum or something like that. So he had shoulder surgery. And apparently now he's back. He's healthy. He's playing in the field. He's not just DH. Hell yeah! So that's good. Well, what do you think? Real quick, you said Edward Olivares. People forgot he hit him and Ivan Castillo. Ivan Castillo won the batting title last year in Double A. Mm-hmm. But I think Edward Olivares had the most home runs. He may have. I yeah, don't have stats up really, in front of me. Really close. He had I mean, a really good year. Really good year. Hit for power. He's got some speed. The and, guy can absolutely go get it in center field. You know, and he has not been added into the mix to the outfield equation yet. Right. It takes a long season to have everyone. You know, everyone uh, to get to the season. Maybe we'll get a taste this year. Maybe we'll get a September call up. You know, oh, I, I don't figure know. he'll be up at some point. He's on the forty man, so a yeah. couple guys get hurt. You, you, yeah. you bring him in, even if it's just as a like a fifth outfielder kind of a thing. Yeah. So and but Juan Lagares looks good so far, so he might be making the roster as that backup outfielder. But Josh Naylor looks impressive. Josh Naylor looks sexy. 
<laughs> okay, I'm glad you said it. <laughs> yeah, but he's looking good. I mean, he's cut. He's 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 always had that soft kind of face. Yeah. You know the with the little and now it's like this he's got the jawline, he's chiseled. Yeah. That's what I mean by sexy. I saw him throwing, you know, and once again, everything we see is on Twitter. Uh-huh. So I'm throwing from behind I'm like, wow, that's Oh my god, there he is, Josh Naylor, and he looks super thin. Yeah. Um what what I hope happens is that it doesn't screw. Sometimes when when athletes lose weight, uh, it it screws them. It happened with CC. I know this right. is totally out of the realm of of craziness, but mm-hmm. when CC Matthew lost a bunch of weight with the Yankees, it screwed with his it screwed with his think, um, mechanics. I think Prince Fielder had a similar issue. Prince Fielder, um, the panda. You know when they when he slimmed down, he went to hell, and right. when he gained the weight back, he 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 did well. Yeah, but Josh Naylor's so young. Yeah, that I, I, it's a matter of just right. So far, he's hitting this. He looks good out there. Yeah, he's hitting the ball well. He's, he's hitting it to all fields. Um, people forget that he. I think he has half as many innings in the outfield as Franchi Cordero does. So as raw as Franchi still is, it's like you got to give Naylor some time to learn. Because Hunter Renfro was supposed to be a really good defender coming up, and then he got to the majors and was rough for a couple of years, and right. then finally it wasn't until last year that he turned it all around. So I, I now that he's dropped the weight and he looks like an athlete out there, I'd like I want to see what he moves like. I haven't yeah. seen him really run. Because um, he was athletic even before, even with the weight, he moves well for he, a guy. He his moves size. well for his size. Yeah, uh, very athletic. Right. And now he's lost the weight. Let's see mm-hmm. if it ticks up a little bit. Yep. And cover a little more ground. And what did I see the tweet today? Right before I got here, it was uh, I think Edge Casavell tweeted out that, you know, it certainly could be uh, the article. I just saw before we started was, you know, the fourth outfielder can come down between him and Franchi. Okay. Yeah. Well, you've got two left-handed bats. Yeah. Um, Franchi can play all three positions. In fact, I think he started in center field today. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, there's so much to watch. I think I think Tatu struck out twice today. Maybe he's a bust. Now, oh, you know, move on. <laughs> he's, he's, he's done. But, you know, Gabriel Arias, he started yesterday's game. Yeah. Did you, have a, you haven't had a chance to watch that game I yet? I watched it. I watched the hit. I watched every play. Because the, the first play went to him, and he just threw, oh, my God, the cannon that guy yeah. has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and, mean, we saw it up here in Lake Elsinore, and it's something that, like, your jaw drops. But then you see him on a, among major leaguers, it's like, okay, this compares. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he's, he's being seen by the major league staff. He is being recognized by everyone. There we go. Hey, how about that? <laughs> God, you know, our equipment is getting shoddy. There we go. Um, he's starting to get that notice in the major league camp. We've been oh, yeah. talking about him for a couple of years now. And th- those of you that listen to the podcast and, and know about Gabriel Eris, this is no surprise to us. Like we know that it was glove first, bats coming around, but this last half, the bat came around in in mm-hmm. in uh, Lake Elsinore. Let's see if that continues with a strong camp into double A. Let's I'm pretty sure he's probably start double A. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, so somebody pointed out that in his at bat, he it was late in the at it was two strikes and he went to a two strike approach and was able to push one the other way to get a, an RBI in. Yeah. So that's that's good to see that with two strikes he's not still selling out for power trying to go for it. You know, shorten up a little bit, yeah. just make contact and get the runner yeah. in. So I love it. So another thing that I love watching is when you've got guys that aren't on the non roster invitee list yeah. that still make it into the game. Yeah. So today we saw Fred Schlichtholz. Got into the game. Uh, he pitched a clean inning, uh, you know, no runs. And then yesterday, Jordan Guerrero was in there. And you've talked to Jordan Guerrero. We've you've had him on the podcast before. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, his appearance wasn't so 
so oh, stellar. Give up a solo shot. He was working on stuff. Remember, right, bad stats right, don't right. matter. Good stats matter. No, I'm just happy to see the guy get in the game. That's cool. It was cool to watch him on television yeah. in, in Padre Brown. I hell yeah, he's such a sweet guy. So I've been talking to Evan Miller's dad on oh, okay. on Twitter, and so. Evan Miller, he's a non-roster invitee, yeah. but he had his first appearance, went out there. Um, he gave up a couple of hard-hit balls, but he got got the guys out, clean inning. Yeah. So it's 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 got to – I can only imagine the jitters that somebody must have being – I know it's spring training, but you're not a major of, league mound. You're not only in front of a big league – you're a big league squad, you're in front of another big league squad. Yeah. And you're in front of all the big league scouts. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a big stage. Small stage, be it, but it's still, hell yeah, my first – Here's my first taste of big league baseball. Yeah. Even if it's in a spring training game. Well, it's now's a good time to break, right? Yeah, let's go to break. Let's uh let's let's split uh let's hear from our friend Travis Ehlers, Dr. Trav, and then right after that we'll come back with Mason Fioli. Hi, I'm Dr. Travis Ehlers, and I'm a certified chiropractic sports physician. Been in practice for 14 years, and I'm located at Oasis MD in Mira Mesa. I see patients anywhere from the weekend warrior to professional athletes, all the way to kids, pregnant women, basically anyone that has musculoskeletal conditions. So if you want any more information or would like to see a chiropractor, you can locate me at 844 877-4763. That's my office number. Otherwise, you can get more information on my website, www.drtravisehealers.com. Otherwise, um, I have social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So just uh, look up my name, Dr. Travis Healers. Hey, we're joined here with Mason Fioli. Uh, Mason was drafted just this year. Uh, went directly into Tommy John's surgery. He has not thrown off the mound since he's been drafted, guys. And, uh, you know, we had him on earlier this year and to talk about the beginning of the process of Tommy John. Uh, but through that interview, you know, we were talking music a little bit and seeing him on Twitter, seeing him on Instagram with, you know, him backstage at Tom Morello shows. We're like, we got to have you come on and talk music. And he's like, heck yeah. So we want to talk a little rehab, but we're also going to start talking about a little rock and roll. So for those of you guys that want to listen to this interview and listen to us talk about uh, rock and roll and, you know, the rehab process with Mason, uh, straddle up and sit down and listen to this. Mason, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me on again. Um, it was fun the first time. I'm sure a little later topics today will be even more fun. So I'm I'm excited to dive into this. All right. So a couple months ago, I saw you tweeted out that you finally got to throw an actual object for the first time, and it was a <laughs> momentous occasion for you. Because so describe what what that was like. Yeah, I mean, just being on the shelf for so long, going through surgery, going through um, that big question mark of like having your arm in the brace and your arm a third of the size it was before surgery, you know, it, it's like, how the heck am I ever going to throw something with right. this arm ever again? So, um, yeah, it was a long road to get to that point. And I mean, the first day of throwing in the Padres Tommy John protocol is, is like a little bit heavier of a ball, like a rubber ball into a trampoline a few times. 
just to kind of feel it come out a little bit. Um, but honestly, uh, that was like an unbelievable day for me, just being able to throw something again. Like I said, I'm a guy that just loves to throw all the time before I got hurt. It was long toss, play catch every day and work on stuff. And um, the fact that I got to do it again, uh, it was just awesome. Well, you know, a couple of things I want to unpack there. So, like, you throw a couple, you know, you have you do your weightlifting or whatever you do, and then you're like, okay, a couple throw, you know, throw a ball a couple times into a trampoline. Like, ah, my work's done. Good workout, <laughs> you know. I mean, are guys standing there with you? Are they like, okay, are they, are they just like, okay, throw a few? How did that feel? Yeah, so uh, it's super hands-on. Tanner Fields uh, is kind of like my go-to trainer in the in the rehab room, um, and he kind of monitors mostly everything I do. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it, it's weird at first because you're low effort, you're low reps and it doesn't feel like a lot, but to retrain that arm, how to throw again and to, uh, reintroduce those movements a little can go a long way. Definitely early on. Um, did, did you right, learn to throw right-handed at all while you were on the shelf? <laughs> no, no, I, I cannot throw right. I actually had a teammate in college who's with the nationals. Uh, he was actually their minor league pitcher of the year. He tore his UCL in, in high school, and he played his senior year in center field throwing right-handed. And I swear to you, on days like that he didn't feel like throwing or he already threw and I needed a catch-play partner, he would throw with me right-handed. Oh, wow. Tim, Tim Cates his name. He's in the Nationals Tim organization. Cates. It's oh, absurd. We'll have to give him a follow. Yeah. Well, then you said like after getting your arm out of the out of the uh, out of the cast or whatever, it reminds me of the commercial that they have with Aquaman. We're like, well, not my house is my sanctuary. <laughs> he pulls up this old buff arm into this. Yeah. <laughs> so was it like yeah. that? Was it like could you look down and see a difference in size between your arms? Um, I think early on, yeah. After a few weeks, like you definitely just at least feel a little little frail, you know. Um, but I mean. The rehab that we start right away doing the shoulder work and the wrist stuff and the forearm mobility and like everything, just strengthening that arm. By the time you get the brace off, honestly, the way we did it, I felt like I was ready to pick up a baseball and throw right then and there. Obviously, that's not what science allows, but um, it was dramatic for a little bit. But then once you get the brace off and you're kind of full go in the weight room and full go conditioning and all that stuff, um, it's not too bad. So was Ben Fritz, uh, I understand Ben Fritz is the rehab coordinator last year. He's now the bullpen coach for the big league yes. team. Yes, yes. So he was, I can't say enough great things about uh, the way Ben works with us um, and how much he helped early on in the throwing program for me. So now being at 90 feet um, early on, Fritzy was like really adamant about getting my arm path and my body moving in the right ways and um, I'm still using, like I, as I should be, I probably will for the rest of my life using a lot of the cues that, um, we talked about when I started throwing a baseball and plyo balls early on, uh, because you do feel a little out of whack, you, a little out of sync. Um, the body might not want to move the way it really should when you throw a baseball. Um, so to have a mind like him, um, especially cause he had just gotten promoted, like as I started working with him, the fact that he stuck around and it helped us out, especially because he had kind of seen us or you know, talking about me and Cole Bellinger, who kind of have been on the same path, um, has seen us like in the brace and met him the first day I came into Arizona. And so, yeah, to have him early on was great. Um, now we have uh, Kurt Young, who is 
absolutely awesome. Uh, throwing with him every day is really cool. And um, the baseball knowledge that he has, just like a lot, a lot of the people in our organization, is, is really fun to kind of soak in like a sponge and to, to relearn uh, how to use the body efficiently. So, so weren't you wearing brown when you had that video out? Did you Were you rocking the brown back in that first? We So that, my first throws were in blue still. Okay. We I, had I didn't know, I couldn't remember. Yeah. I just was like, did you rock yeah. the brown? So what do you yeah. think about the brown? I love it. I love it. I think I think it kind of separates the one from the other 29. I mean, I love different, um, and I love classic. I think Padres Brown kind of defines at least, like, I know I didn't grow up in the era, but right. obviously when you think about Padres baseball, you think about that 1970s look, yeah. that 80s look when they were awesome. And uh, I, I love it. I think as a kid, I put on for, like, one of my Christmas lists – my mom will fact check me. I think she knows, but I like asked for that uh, kind of ugly, like mustard yellow yeah, brown, yeah. like yeah, 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 seventy five or so With cap. The Padres script, I just right? like yeah, yeah, like that. The, the, that the Taco nice Bell script. hat, the right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, as a little kid, for some reason, I liked it. So like, I don't mind the brown. I think it looks sleek. I think it looks good. I think the big league uniforms are unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and I think they're they look good this year and i mean brown's back i guess <laughs> it's just I'm, cool i'm just glad that they're they look different from all the other teams in the league they, they're not blue like half of the teams it seems yeah i feel the, like the half of one. the league is navy blue or has some sort of i mean even the red sox have some sort of navy blue in their color scheme you know so it's cool to be a separate like no one else is brown right now you're and that, that's, that's the Padres. you see yeah, that yeah that's the Padres. exactly exactly okay, so you're throwing from 90 feet I know you're going to slowly stretch it out longer, longer, long toss kind of things. How far are you from actually getting on a mound? Um, I think a few months at this point from getting on the mound. Okay. Uh, hopefully if things go as planned, um, I'm not sure an exact date on the mound, but I think I'm a few months away. And I think it's uh, also dependent on like how I'm feeling, how the arm responds to, to putting more stress and some more intensity with it. Um, but we're, I think we're shooting for like mid to early hopefully august to be in games and maybe the azl but wow. if not i think the safe bet would probably be like be able to face hitters and instructs um in the fall so uh it's definitely looking great and i feel awesome um and i think we're everyone's doing a really good job and i can't thank everyone enough for the type of like effort they've put into my recovery and uh, I, I mean i know it's their job but the i can't say enough about like our strength staff our rehab staff and like the other players around me in rehab that really push us every single day. Um, I mean, they go above and beyond to make sure that we're they're They're working from far, much farther than what their jobs and are, are entailing. So you got you, Cole Bellinger, uh, Anderson Espinoza, Tom, Tom Cosgrove, Tom Cosgrove, yeah, Tom Cosgrove's. Yeah. Uh, uh, Hazahel Quijada and Chris Huffman are, are looking on the kind of the other side of that mountain right now. I think they get on the mountain pretty soon. Pedro Avila, uh, I think, is in that group, right? Yep, yep, he is. He is. Um, but we're we're looking. Uh, uh, Kyle McGrath has been great. It's been okay. awesome to be be around a major league player, um, and like kind of see how he goes about his day to day, you know. Um, but yeah, we have a good group, um, and we're we're close knit because we spent a lot of time together, and um, we definitely push each other in certain things and help each other out in the in the rehab room, on the field, and in the in the weight room. So you can't you can't do bullpens, you can't play in these intra squad scrimmage games, all this kind of stuff. 
What what does a player that's on the rehab course do during spring training? Um, so we kind of have a normal schedule, uh, like everyone else. We'll get in there pretty early, have breakfast together, um, start in the training room, do some activation stuff. Uh, this week we're on a little bit of a weird schedule. We'll throw right away, and then we'll get our conditioning in, our stretch in. We'll get our lift in, and then we'll do our, our rehab and, and stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure next week we'll we'll start having to go to the, some of those games and watch our, our teammates play a little bit. So you'll um, be hanging it's, around those lots like right. in the afternoon? That's definitely, the definitely, yeah. Doing? Okay, okay. Yep, most likely, yep. Are so you, have you, you cheerleading or like when you <laughs> – like, <laughs> let me go get the bat. Like a, I'll be the bat yeah. boy. <laughs> I think Just for, get me I on think the from, field. I think for me and a lot this summer, like when you can't play, I think it's a really – um, important time that you have to learn. I think um, by watching other guys, like you're around unbelievable players and, and pitchers, especially right now where you, we get a unique opportunity to kind of see um, what the guys on, on that big league roster are doing every day um, and even be around them quite a bit. Or even the guys that are have been in the system uh, for a while, like like the McGraths, like the Hoffmans, that you can kind of learn a lot from and learn how how it kind of operates and stuff like that. So I think right now for me, it's all about learning. I know that I necessarily might not be competing in games for a right. while, but I do have a really awesome opportunity to kind of get my feet wet in a in a different way where I can I can really take in everything around me and I can try to learn uh, a lot of things to make me that much better when I get on the mound in in August and September. So earlier you were talking about listening to your body and things that, you know, have you learned a little bit more about like biomechanics? Is it giving you some insight into how to get your body to do what you want it to do? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think that's something that I've always worked on my whole life, kind of not being the most physical person and um, maybe being a little smaller than the guys around me. But um, I think uh, moving efficiently and just kind of getting a little smoother right now is my goal. Um try to get that arm in good positions and um, be on time and things like that. And uh, it's been, it's been really, really good having people around us that really know what they're talking about, like yeah. Kurt Young and like Christian Wonders and like Tanner Fields um, to kind of really get synced up and to take this time, not only to get stronger and to get healthy, but to come back hopefully better than I ever have been, you know? So in the meantime, you got lots of time to listen to music and uh, go check out some good concerts. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, shout out Chris Huffman and Glennon Rush for two major concerts in the in the fall, uh, kind of like the first part of our rehab. I actually took Huffy to one. That was pretty good. We saw Rival Sons and Stone Temple Pilots, which nice. is pretty cool. It was a pretty cool duo. Um, but yeah, saw Tool early on, got to meet Danny Carey, who's like probably the greatest drummer living right now and so how, um, how did that happen so i think so huffy played for glenn and rush and i think double a or maybe high a and they're pretty good friends and uh he sent huffy tickets through morello and through danny carey and huffy was gracious enough to bring me who got him into tool <laughs> and <Wow>. so um <laughs> and so he brought me and I, in change, brought him to see uh, Jeff Gutton, Stone Temple Pilots, which is pretty fun. I actually also saw Gary Clark Jr. at Comerica Theater, which is pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, no, it's been really cool. I got tickets to uh, some – I got really lucky on a pre-sale, so I'm going to see the Foo Fighters in, in April. 
Awesome. Somehow I typed in a random code. I wasn't even on the presale and somehow got a ticket. Um, I don't know how I'm supposed dude, to say it, that. Man, living the charmed life. Dude, charmed yeah. life. So I yeah. saw a Tool when they came here to San Diego, and I've that's the third time I've seen them. They're freaking amazing. And on Dan- this on this tour? Yeah, 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 like a month it ago. It was phenomenal. Yeah, it and Danny phenomenal. Carey is such a monster. So the tickets that my wife got us, we were like all the way over on the side and way up high, but it was cool because yeah. we were looking down into the top of everything. Oh, yeah. And so I was just standing there watching yeah. Danny the you whole see time. see everything and unfold. And, yeah, so we had unbelievable tickets because Danny Carey got in us them when we were left side of the stage at Gila, and it was like fifth row from the front. And like we had, to, we had to move to the back for the opener. The opener was Killing Joke. And ah. they were, yeah, they were literally – their bass was probably cranked. They were redlining everything. It was, you could not hear them at all. Like you couldn't hear the guitars from the fifth row, but obviously like with tools, sound production, all that stuff. I mean, Danny Carey during chocolate chip trip was probably like the most incredible live performance that I've ever seen in my, his drum solo was absolutely absurd. So I saw Um, him on the day that, uh, that Neil Pert passed away. Okay. Wow. And he put together a solo that was like a, a rush tribute solo. That's that, awesome. that he played in one of the intermissions. No, because it's 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 trippy. Everybody leaves. The other three guys leave yeah. the stage, and Danny yeah. stays on there yeah. while everybody else is taking a break. It's and he awesome. just keeps on going. He's awesome. got all of his uh, all like all of his analog synthesizers. I mean, the the guy is just a machine. I don't know if you guys probably are because you you know good music. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the the Primus. The Primus. Uh, Derek Primus. Yeah, they're doing the tribute. So they're doing a three-part concert tour where they're going to do like two sets and then they're going to do a set that's just Rush. Oh my god. Yeah. I, see that. I, I follow so him on I follow him on Instagram. Yeah. I, I follow, you know, cuz he is a he's a he also is a, a vinter as well. Yeah. One he he plays a bass that Getty Lee gave him. I think yes. that the Rickenbacker that he plays his no four-string shit. bass is one that, that Getty gifted him. Ah. Uh, yep. Dude. And uh I believe well one of my buddies is like we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go because he, he lives in back in rhode island he's like i'll fly out for i think it's in august um so that may be on the uh the agenda but we'll see but yeah i thought that was pretty cool um oh they're calling they're it a, a tribute to king's tour yep after a farewell to king's the, the yeah. rush album right 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 well, oh man i uh I, I dig the uh the little project that he has with um with lennon with it's it's Jill, not julian it's the um Delirium, God dang! I can't. Why am I Sean, my, Sean Lennon? Yeah, is it the Sean Lennon? Um, he's got so many side projects that he's put together. Yeah, he's all over the place. I, I'm not Lennon Delirium. Oh, I think I think I've seen what you're talking about. I don't know if I've heard a lot of the the stuff. So it's kind of funky. It's you know, it's it's yeah. I mean, the way he plays the bass, it's it's absurd. I mean, yeah, the Claypool many, Lennon Delirium, yeah. There's not many bands that can like be completely directed and driven by such like a forgotten instrument. A lot of times, you know, right? I mean, like obviously, like Flea does what he does, and and you know, but yeah, but he stands up there. Not only is he doing crazy things on the bass, yeah, he's he singing on top sings, of it, yeah. sings along. Yeah, yeah, and he's a performer. It's like he's not even thinking, and you're just watching his fingers yeah, move up and down the bass. It's like, how do you even do this? It is. It's crazy. It's incredible. <laughs> it's crazy. So how did you, so you listened to the stuff that I was listening to back in the nineties when I was in high school, how did you 25 years later develop a, 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 an affinity for, for that kind of music? My mother. Uh, so I, the first music I ever loved 
was like grunge rock. Chris Cornell is okay. like one of my idols. Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, uh, Alice in Chains. Yeah. Like, but the way I got into like really diving into music was the Beatles. So it was weird. So like I would like legitimately study the Beatles, but like at the same time, like there's nothing better in my opinion than like good, hard nineties grunge, smashing pumpkins, stuff like that. Like I even like Radiohead's full discography. Like I think nineties, early rock and just like that Seattle sound for me, at least is just like completely defining for like the type of music that I like gear, what I like to listen to. And I like completely credit that to my mother. My mom has probably one of the greatest tastes in music ever. Like I grew up listening to Alice Cooper and Holy like cow. early Aerosmith and and you know, like Zeppelin and stuff like that. So like I never really got into like pop and rap and all that stuff. Which like which a lot of up, people your age are crazy. Right, yeah, sure exactly. Is, is like a lot of that's playing in the clubhouse. Yeah, like I think like a couple like songs came on the other day and that they were like random like T Pain songs and everyone like is like, oh, remember this song? And I'm like, no. no. <laughs> I was listening to the White <laughs> Album at like 10 years old. <laughs> Shout out to your mom. That's so, that's so, yeah. So it's yeah. funny. That's I, tight. I had, I, my mom always listened to like 50s and 60s. Right, right. Like oldies. And so yeah. now I know every single one of those songs that ever comes on. And it's kind of an embarrassing thing. I mean, I'm not embarrassing now that I've, I'm old enough to be comfortable in my own skin, but it's, it's like, that's not that's not cool music back then, right. but now. Yeah. So one thing that's changed in time is that back then, you would go to the store, you'd buy the CD, you had the option to listen to it in the store, and then you'd bring it home and you'd listen to the whole thing. You'd put it on, you'd listen to the whole thing front to back. And now, with with playlists and everything's on yeah. on your phone and streaming, you listen to a song at a time, and I don't think you really digest what a I band agree. does. I can, quite I the same cannot way. emphasize that more. I mean, I I still love going to like flea markets dollar store like trying to find cds that i can put in my car and listen to and i'm really super big into vinyl um i just think there's so much more that you get out of especially the bands that we know and love like if you sit there and listen from like one to to 20 or whatever that that track list is so important i think i last night uh i was talking to one of my friends and uh we were talking about albums and I was like, well, have you ever heard any of Paul McCartney's solo stuff? And they were like, no. And I was like, well, go listen to Band on the Run. And they right. were like, <laughs> in shuffle or in order? And I was in like, shuffle? in order. No, in, in order, order, dude. In they order, put it in 100%. order for a reason. I, I'm yeah. that way with I like... was like, the first song will blow you away. And if you've never heard it, you're... Yeah. You're living on a rock. A yeah, but bit. some some bands mess with that. So, like with Tool, with Ten Thousand Days, apparently there's a way for you to reorganize the album and play like some of the songs. It's it's like you start two songs at the same time and everything kind of lines yeah. up. It's That's this the most Tool thing. thing ever. It is <laughs> it's the most Tool thing ever. Well, it's like what people used to say about like Pink Floyd and Dark Side of the Moon. Right. If you or, or, like, yeah. Alice in Wonderland. No, no, it was um, Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. Wizard yeah. of Oz. You started at the beginning and all this stuff lines up. There's actually, there's a different example that actually kind of makes sense though. So apparently Roger Waters was approached by, um, oh my God, uh, Stanley Kubrick to do the score for 2001 A Space Odyssey. And he turned it down because they were too busy touring and everything like that. But he regretted it. And so wow. the, the album came out and then like six or the, the movie came out and then like six months later, um, Echoes or um, Metal, the album Metal, Pink okay. Floyd Metal uh, came out. I, 
Personally, I think that's the best Floyd album. So Echoes is a 23-minute song at the end, and there's a 23-minute section at the end of 2001 A Space Odyssey called like Jupiter and the Infinite Beyond. And it's this totally trippy thing of this guy in, in interstellar space. And so you play those two things, and they're supposed to line up because, in theory... He kind of regretted not having a chance to do it. And so that was his <laughs> little homage. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So try That's it sometime. Awesome. It, it works. Yeah. Link them up. Yeah. And you don't even have to be on anything to, to get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's funny because you'll hear, a, I'll hear a song. I'm, I'm a huge U2 fan. So I can sing almost Me every, every U2 song from Joshua Tree to Octung Baby. As soon as you hear one song, you're like, okay, the next song would, you know, you start singing the other songs, you know, that's the next song. Yep. And, um, you know, I've, I grew up the same way with you. Like I, my dad listened to the Who. You know, my my dad, you know, was a big drinker, so he'd start, you know, he'd start out with like <laughs> Beach Boys and Love Me Rhonda, then he'd move on to like the Who, and I'm free. You know, by the time he's hammered, you know, it's like listening to really sad rock music. But I, you know, American Graffiti was an album my dad had, and that has the Wander on it. That's got. Um, you know, round, round, get around, Beach Boys on it. Oh, yeah. All these songs that, like... I love 50, some 60, Dion. Are you kidding me? You know, all oh, right, yeah. all right. the Wolfman Jackman, hey, we are here. You know, I, like, I don't know if you've ever... There's a really awesome Netflix documentary about that, like, earlier... Because I love that 60s sound, too. And, um, I mean, dive into the 50s. My girlfriend will talk about it for days. But, like, um, I... There's a really, really great documentary on Netflix um, with... Uh, is that the she, steps away from it's, genius? It's, or is uh, steps or is it echoes? Echoes in the canyon. Echoes in the canyon. So okay. the, Tom Petty comes on and talks. Eric Clapton, Ringo Starr talks a little bit, and it's kind of about that like early '60s sound where they turn folk into rock and roll. But there's this really awesome story about Brian Wilson when he was writing Pet Sounds. He filled his living room or like his study in full of sand, like beach sand, and he just put a grand piano on it and his his wife or whoever he's living with at the time thought he was insane, but she never said anything because he was writing probably the greatest beach boys album of ever. One and of the best he's in the middle ever. of it. Yeah. He's li- he's in the middle of his living room, just ch- chucking away on his grand piano, writing incredible music and no one wanted to say anything to him. But I mean, that, that era of music is also just absolutely genius. I so mean, the sand was there time. for some acoustic reason, I suppose. <laughs> to get, I don't know. To get or, the groove. Yeah, That's I guess, the- I guess so. Got half has to be where the name is, right? Maybe he likes having his toes in the sand. <laughs> well, the, the echoes boys. in the canyon because it was the uh, Laurel Canyon, right up in L.A. Is that? I think so. Yeah, where they um, they kind of talked about I mean, everything. The whole the whole sixties in the seventies, from Joan Baez to uh, well, that's more San Francisco, but like the Eagles, um, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Like Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Yep. Their oh, yeah. first concert, first live performance was at freaking Woodstock. And you just like holy cow, those were incredible. Well, um, so it's time- actually, it's actually Jacob Dylan who is going okay. around and interviewing people, and he re-records all of these great songs. Like, oh. I mean, he re-records them with some unbelievable artists. Like, I also am super big into like Fiona Apple and Nora Jones, and like he has he they record in my room with Fiona Apple, and it's incredible. There's oh. some stuff with Josh Homme on it, and it's an incredible soundtrack to a docu. Like, I'm not normally into that stuff but like it is yeah the no, covers are, are money you know they're really good well and the way that they used to harmonize back there back then and yep. now everything's auto-tuned and they've got all these exactly. softwares for manipulating everything but back then it was all i mean literally cutting tape and even 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 rock music now is like that's why i love the foo fighters and what dave Grohl and taylor hawkins and 
um, and and they do in Pat Smear. I just love the fact that they're still taking the tape and recording on it because, I mean, I like the Deep Purple stuff where you can literally hear edits in the album where they messed up, you know, <laughs> yeah. where the, the signature came off and they continue to play and they kept the record because it was cheaper than going and buy another roll of tape. Yeah, so you hear those it, stories you know, that the they lost time. some master track, or yeah. there was something I was hearing that they mixed everything onto one one channel on one tape, and it's like if we mess up on this take, the whole song is screwed. And I, I'm trying. Yeah. I wish I could remember what that was, but it was some like song everybody knows. I saw. I saw. I saw. Um, I went to go visit my mom in in, uh, in Dallas. There we go. Hey, how are you? I went to go visit my mom. I was going uh, sixth grade into the seventh grade. Uh, in Dallas, Texas, and they had the Texas Jam, and I'm like, Mom, I want to go to the show. The, the 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 headlining band was Deep Purple. They had the Scorpions. They had um, <laughs> uh, Armored States. Uh, God, I can't. Remember. Uh, God, who else they have? It was just all day show, and I was 11 years old, 12 years old, 60,000 people at the Cotton Bowl, Dallas, Texas, and I got you know got there real early, went to the very front. And just spent most of the show in the front, like five rows back in this festival, this skinny kid just rocking out, freaking out. And finally, I'm like, because it was so, when, when you're that close and there's this festival seating, like you move like an ocean. You see it when you watch these, you know, the live shows, you see these people move and occasionally everyone just falls down like, you know, like uh, bowling, uh, like bowling yeah. pins. <laughs> And you get up, and there's a kind of a panic. And like, I was 11 years old. That happened a couple of times. I'm like, all right, I, I, I'm out of here. Like, I gotta go. Like, so I, I fear for my life. When I was a teenager, there was a there was a club here in San Diego called Soma. It was an all ages club. Now it, it still op- it still operates, but it's in a different location. Uh, but I was into punk music at the time, and so I'd get in the mosh pit. Yeah. And but there was like a a culture that people would look out for each other in there. So yeah, you're in there thrashing around, banging up against each other. But like you hit the deck. I remember one time falling down and I just felt these two giant hands grab me by the shoulders and pick me up. And yeah. I look around, and there's this dude that's like the size of a buffalo and he's just there to like enforce and regulate the place. Okay. Dig this. So a book I just got uh, finished with was John Doe's Under the Big Black Sun. And it's the beginning. That's the very beginning of L.A. punk scene in the early mid 70s up into the 80s. And then the follow up is uh, more uh, more fun in the new world, more fun in the new world. It's another it's the name of one of their albums. And every chapter is written like from the bass player from the Go-Go's. Um, Mike Watt has a page. And so their chapter is read by themselves. Henry Rollins has a chapter. And John oh, so Doe does like a on ton. tape. It's a book on, it's, on tape. It's, it's a book on tape. It's That's a, awesome. It's a real book. You, know, you can buy it on hardcover, but you also the book on tape is everyone does their own section, and everyone talks That's about awesome. back when the Go Go's started out punk, and you know, um, Belinda Carlisle would like well, she's really into fashion, so she made these dresses out of like newspaper and paper mache. And was kind of rich and was like in the stock market, but was still like this punk girl. And they started out punk and somehow got, you know, into this pop thing. But like, it's really cool. It's a great thing to listen to. But they talk about that. So back in the very early beginnings of punk in L.A., you know, it was very artsy. It was very inclusive. Um, It was very, you know, gay people, black people, all different people of all, you know, from wherever um, were welcome. The mosh pits were fun. Um, it wasn't until the 
guys from the beach, the punks, you know, the hardcore stuff started coming in with Black Flag. And, you know, Rollins, yep. it, it, Rollins has his own thing, and he kind of defends himself a little bit because they, you know, in other chapters, they get a bad rap because in that brought in all the skinheads and the violent jocks from the beach area where instead of, like, you know, going to the mosh pit and, yeah, you fall down. I fell down on Nirvana show, and, like, guy picked me up. I'm like, right, you know, and no one's ever taking cheap shots. It was like you had your fun. It was organized chaos, but then when the hardcore guys came in, it was more about starting fights and throwing beer bottles and, like, being a jerk. And, you know, it, it really brought in that skinhead, white supremacist element that, you know, was big in Orange County. Really interesting stuff. I really, it, it's a great book on tape, both of them, Under the Big Black Sun and um, and new, uh, More Love and God, New Love. God, I... In the new world, the guy, it's 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 boggling my mind right now. I, I can't remember what it is, but it's really good. John does. Cool. Okay, so you told us about a couple of concerts you went to lately. What is the best concert you've been to? Period. So, I saw Foo Fighters two summers ago with my parents, and I think that was one of the most fun concerts because I got to share that with them. Um, but for me personally, I think the best performance that i've ever seen was pearl jam in fenway there was their last show it was their last show their last tour that they've done that they did and mike mccready was unbelievable and eddie vetter i think you could have heard him like from nantucket it it was (laughs) so they so the crazy the coolest part of that and tool is great and tom morello is unbelievable and all the Gary Clark was incredible, but I think what stand like puts them in a different like category for me is just one. They're awesome. It's Pearl Jam. Like they have the hits and they have the great songs. And I just love the way they dive into like their deeper catalog. And um, like we got thumbing my way and like go and just, it, it was a crazy show. And so Boston has a curfew on how late you can have concerts and have the lights on. And, they decided because it was their last show and it was the last one they were playing at Fenway, they decided to go about an hour and like 15 minutes over and they turned the lights on and we got Bob O'Reilly yeah. sung by Eddie Vedder. Oh, wow. In like it's light and you can see everyone. Yeah. And my good friend that, that took to the show, we're just looking at each other like this is everything we hope for this Pearl Jam show to be. Um, and we were pretty far. Like I've been really close to the stage, like, and we were behind home plate, and it's like the stage is near the monster, so you can barely even see them, other than if you're looking on the screen. But I mean, they just sounded incredible, and it was such a, as a Pearl Jam, like as a huge Pearl Jam fan, like it was just incredible to see the types of music they played out of their catalog, and and just to just to hear McCready solo and go off the beaten path, and just to you know, like you don't really get to hear that on the on the record, and, and Pearl Jam has some good like live records, and you can go on their website yeah. and buy the bootlegs and stuff like that. But if you're not there, and like he, for me, he was so underrated as a guitar player until I watched him do what he does live. Yeah, and it was it, it was just a no brainer. That's a no brainer for me to say Pearl Jam. Did you see him on that tour? I've I've never seen Pearl Jam, so I saw him on that tour, and okay. and his mom they played at San Diego State. Um, his mom, you know, he's from San Diego. His mom's exactly. Well, he's Diego. originally from Chicago, yep. and right, but he grew up. <laughs> his mom was at the show, 
And so, like, in between songs, he's like, hey, mom. And he, here, he passed the bottle to his yep. mom that was like, <laughs> they, they passed the bottle to the mom. Mom takes a big swig. He's like, ah, run to the it. family. <laughs> what, and what I do love about Pearl Jam is, is there's honesty there. There's a rawness. There's a, um, there's just a real love of rock music. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. They have so much fun. And, and, uh, you know, I saw, I saw Pearl Jam. That was Pearl Jam, Nirvana opened up for, um, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, I remember that tweet. That that would be like a icon night for me. Like Red Hot Chili Peppers too, from like early like Catholic school girls to <laughs> right. to even like the Getaway. I think is an incredible album. Yeah, and I'm excited to see what they're gonna do with Frusciante back in the band. Like, and obviously Nirvana and Pearl Jam. But like that, that's unreal. My buddy's going to Boston Calling, and the the headline is Rage, nice. Chili Peppers, and Foo Fighters, and I'm like. I'm so jealous of you, dude. <laughs> yeah. So somebody who's always been underrated to me is Jane's Addiction. I, I love yeah, Jane's Addiction. Yeah, David Navarro brings it all so the time. They came up with their Hot Chili Peppers. He wrote a great Red Hot Chili time. Peppers yeah. album. Yeah, yeah, know? One Hot Minute. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, Pearl Jam is coming to town, and I I signed up for the pre sale, and I tried to get the tickets, and they sold out I so it fast. Too. They sold out so quick. Yeah, but they're like, they're and locking down the, the secondary. So yeah. what's that? I, I'll. I like that, but I don't at the same time as like someone who wants to go to the, every show I can and like to, and who's not super great with like what reseller methods are, there are, you know, right. it's, oh, it's, shady. The, it's, it's tough ridiculous. to get the tickets and it's driven the I, prices up so much. Yeah, it's stupid. Definitely. Definitely. I was lucky enough to get the presale on a, on a few of them, but yeah, no, I, I was definitely grateful enough to have a pretty good friend that had an extra Pearl Jam ticket and he was, really nice about bringing me along and uh we had a great time um so it was more yeah, fun in the new world was the, the second was the second book the unmaking and legacy of la punk all right the first one's fantastic the second one's great have you listened to no dogs in space yet i have listened to the first episode and i really particularly loved when they were talking i mean first of all they do a great job i think it's marcus it's really engaging is- and fantastic and, yeah uh, and oddly enough like to say this on a podcast i'm not a huge podcast listener like right. for me like if i'm gonna learn about something like i'll either like watch it or, or read it um but i think my favorite part of the first episode the stooges when they're starting to talk about how good the who were live and you don't really think about them being such crazy of a band but like um and for me like i think the who and my personal like listening i kind of like forget to listen to them a little bit right right there's um, so much because out there. because there's so much out there especially during their time frame from rolling stone so led zeppelin um you know so it's i thought that was really cool and you you, yeah. you do hear a lot about like stuff that you necessarily couldn't find anywhere it was just good i think they're they were super engaging and i enjoy listening to it yeah it's so i just i was listening to the last episode on the way over here and uh, Marcus Parks just he does the other podcast they do was uh, last podcast on the left totally different, but he uh, the, the research that he does uh, is is fantastic and he does that with his wife his wife they they've only been married about a year now um, and it, it pulls it off because I love how though I kind of wanted to do this because I want to talk about the new Pearl Jam stuff was like yeah. talk about it and then play a little song but we just couldn't figure out how to do that <laughs> soon enough. What did you think about the new um, the new Pearl Jam? So I. My uh, a friend of mine now, but he was my pitching coach in college. We talked about music every single day. He's a huge Clash fan, huge Rolling Stones fan, just a huge music fan. He's seen everyone. And I'm still jealous about it. 
shout out coach McDonald's. But, uh, anyway, I absolutely, I mean, this is crazy bias. Cause like I put Pearl jam in my like top five favorite ever, but I absolutely love clairvoyance. I thought it was different. I thought it was fun. I thought meant slammed the bass and Eddie's vocals were just incredible. Um, and I really did love, uh, uh, what is it? Wolf moon, super blood, wolf moon, super blood, wolf moon. Yeah. I thought it was, it was punk. It yeah. was like Pearl jam on like the elderly woman go record. It was, it was like nitty gritty. Go back to like the roots punk Pearl jam for me. And it was yeah. just, it was a great record. I think you could have slipped that record um, in their early stuff, like throughout the early nineties and, and it would have fit in really well. And I just love that they're, one experimenting with new sounds and experimenting with something that's going to kind of make you twist and turn your seat a little bit and kind of listen to it a few times to understand the greatness behind it. But also that they're like sticking to what Pearl Jam fans know and love the most. You know. So do you know Arcade Fire? Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm not, so, I'm not huge into them. My cousin Tyler is actually a musician. He okay. just released an album in August. No end. If you ever want to check that out, he's great alternative kind of uh, space like beach pop bedroom pop sound. Um, but he got me into like that kind of indie scene. Um, so I, I know a lot about like, so the, Fire so the, I think it's called the dance of the clairvoyant. That sounds like he's been hanging out with Will Butler. Like it sounded like yeah. it does. It sounds yeah, like it does. It's indie. Arcade it's Fire. really indie. Yeah, it's super, it's... it's super new. And yeah, it almost right. sounds like those drums are recorded a little bit, but they knowing Pro Gen, they probably aren't. Right. Um, and I just thought the, the baseline super groovy. And, and again, like, Vetter's vocals just on everything he does, yeah. just the way he's able to like stretch it. And I mean, you know, I'm a huge fan of that. Like Chris Cornell is my favorite artist ever. And um, to hear people sing on rock, good rock records and singles, it's special because, you know, there are those throw in rock voices that aren't necessarily unbelievable, unbelievably vocally. Yeah. Like, but. They well, get the job done, but I'm, it's I'm kicking myself for not going to. When I lived in Sacramento, there's a um, there's a school in the East Bay for um, I believe it's for deaf children, uh, and they have a big there's a there's a a, a tribute concert every year. It's, it's a, a Neil, what, it's Neil, Neil Young. It's the school yeah. for oh, yeah, awesome. right, right, Neil Young. Okay, and so, I think I've heard of that. Yeah, and actually. so Pearl Jam came and played it. It's all acoustic, I think. I think yeah, and Pearl awesome. Jam came and played it. The Bridge and, School. Right, That's it. and uh, and and Chris Cornell was there too, and so they they got together and did a bunch of Temple of the Dog Oof. stuff, and I I didn't have a chance to like I probably could have pulled it off and gone, but it's I'm kicking myself for not you know, and I yeah. feel like I have more of that than so anything. This... It's like concerts I should have gone to when I was in Phoenix. Yes came, and I was a huge Yes fan at the uh... time, and this was <laughs> while like everybody was was still with us, and and right. most of the original Intact band was yeah. was still. So Chris Squire and John Anderson, so, but and, but no nobody wanted to go, and I didn't uh, want to go by myself. And it's like dumbass, you should have just gone by yourself. I'm going to the foos. I'm going to the foos by myself. I love concerts by yourself is a different experience because you don't have to. A lot of times, I feel like when I bring someone to a concert, when I go with someone, or like if I'm going with someone, I'm like almost, especially if they don't know the group or they don't know the music. Right. I'm like so invested in trying to let them enjoy it as much as I am. And so, like, to be there, it's kind of a little escape. But um, so for Christmas, my girlfriend got me the greatest Christmas gift I ever received. So uh, I don't know how she pulled this off. I'm going to show to the camera 
they're not going to see it because this is a podcast. Um, <laughs> but this is a 1998 uh, 7-inch burden in my hand signed by Chris Cornell. Oh, wow. Okay, you got to send and us that is, picture, and we'll use that picture I will for the Instagram. I will. But the, one of the greatest birthday gifts I've ever received um, and just someone who like just absolutely loves Chris Cornell, like from his solo stuff to Audio Slave Soundgarden, Temple of the Dog is one of the greatest records of all time, in my opinion. And just like to have like a tiny vinyl collection and that be the stable piece, um, <laughs> that's never leaving my side. So I shout out to her for that and just pretty damn. Yeah, I saw I yeah. saw the. Uh... Several years ago, I, they came through with Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails opened. It was a head, co-headlining. It was Nine Inch Nails and then Soundgarden. I've never seen Soundgarden. I've seen everyone else in the grunge scene but Soundgarden. And I was like, God, what took me so long? Cornell was just – his yeah. voice was – he is such a strong singer. I mean – It's you know, incredible. Eddie and Kurt and those guys are screamers. And Eddie's got a good voice. But, like, Cornell can just belt. Oh, I mean, he's saying – yeah, like from Ave and, and the the vocal ability to sing in different genres. I mean, Ave Maria to recording Billie Jean. Yeah. Like, like you know, it's it's incredible. Like it really is. I mean, the type of the things he was able to do. I mean, it's so sad that he's not here anymore. But right, um, I've always had a fascination really with that period of time when Temple of the Dog. Because that was right after Screaming Trees. Um, Mark, yeah, I don't oh, remember yeah. his last Link- name. Linkston. Yeah, he. he Passed away on overdose, and so the the guys got together and formed that band to like like as a tribute. As, yeah, was, Mother Love Bone, Mother Love Bone, is Mother like, Love that's Bone. That's, that's right. It. Yeah, that's who it was. Mother Love Bone. It, Mother that album. Those albums are incredible too. They are. My, my, I remember. I remember being like ten years old. My mom had Mother Love Bone out of the car. I remember being and then like growing up and like understanding who they were. I remember like going through her. She has a huge CD and tape cassette collection. All of her vinyl actually melted in her mom's house. Like it was next to like the old like radiators oh. and it, they melted all the vinyl. Yeah. She still talks about it to this day. Um, she actually gave me like hundreds of, of singles though. Some good ones, some Paul McCartney stuff. Um, so anyway, she has like all the cassette tapes and like all of her CDs have kind of become mine. And I, that's like the thing every Christmas I'll buy her a bunch, uh, because they're kind of mine too. Don't tell her that. Um, <laughs> I but, used to do the same thing. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, it's it's uh, it was funny. Like I, all this music, like you said, like how did I get into it? It's funny, like because I'll find music that I like, and then I'll go search, and I end up having the physical copy <laughs> already nice. through my parents. Now we don't know better. <laughs> so around that same time, um, Lane Staley left Alice in Chains yep. because he was off the rails. I mean, Oof. having yeah, serious was, personal addiction really problems, bad. and joined up they put together this group called mad season yeah and that album in yep. that season that album is incredible too it's amazing yeah. long, long and, gone days oh my goodness I, just, that song's on repeat it's like he just opened up his soul and and buried yeah. it for the world to see because really allison chains is um oh my god the guitar player i still got jerry can, jerry I, jerry control jerry, jerry cantrell that's jerry cantrell's band and lane was the singer it's jerry inspired all the by music. inspired by music that does not sound anything like allison chains have you ever right. heard him talk he likes like hardcore classical early like 40s like bach he is inspired by bach and writes songs that are just transcending of the grunge metal sound yeah yeah but he came out of yeah. that thrash metal scene in the east bay because yeah, he, exactly. he was in a band with les yeah. claypool at one point yeah no i mean kidding. he still crushes it yeah he still crushes it. i talk about concerts that you wish you went to uh 
William Duvall, I think, is doing a great job with Alice in Chains right now and kind of reinventing what Alice in Chains sound is. I thought their last couple albums, uh, Dinosaurs, Where the Dinosaurs Are, I think one of them is. And the last one they, they recorded, um, they're awesome. I think they're they're not old Alice in Chains, but they're still great rock music. And um, I'm still kicking myself in the head over in August uh, the corn and Alice in Chains tour was going on, but Alice in Chains is opening. I thought it was reversed because you would think Alice in Chains would open for corn. I didn't want to see corn because I don't think that's my scene. But um, I was like, oh, I, I want good. To take it for I, this. Someone finally said and that. I, like, I'm not a corn I, fan uh, either. I don't like yeah, the scene, but I, I like some of the songs on their first album. Yeah, not me. Yeah, they definitely they definitely killed it during the era. Like they were that kind of music, that like industrial sound was was popping. But like I. Definitely regret not seeing Chains this past summer. I'll probably see them at some point. I'm sure they'll keep going, but um, Chains definitely is up there for me big time. Jerry Cantrell, Sober. Uh, we were just talking about the guitar player for Pearl Jam. Uh, Michael Creedy or, or Stone. Sober. Or Stone. Sober. Yeah. Uh, I um, Cantrell got sober right after Lane Staley died. He, that's when yep. it was his wake up. Yep. Like, holy cow. Um, I, got a, I got a buddy who, um, who writes for Metal Hammer. And uh, he was in. A, he was over in sober as well. And he was over in um, England, backstage, and was just having one of those moments that that people with uh, with I've, I've been sober that we have. Like, oh my god, everyone's having so much fun. There's so much around. And, yeah. And Randy from Lamb of God um, is oh geez. is sober <laughs> as well. Yeah. And he comes up to him like, hey man, my name is Joe D. Uh, hey, Randy, I, I I know you've been sober this long. I would, I need a I just need a minute to talk to you for a minute. In it's like, yeah, what's up? Like, yeah, I'm just having a moment of like, uh, it's really scary for me right now. I was like, hold on, Steve called across the room. Some you know, some guy backstage. How much time you got? got two years. Dave, Shelly, all these other people. He's named off all these people backstage. He's like, you could talk to any of these people at any time. They're all sober. So there yeah, is it's... there's a ton of people that you know. You think of hard rock, heavy metal. I'm sure there's tons of drugs and alcohol, but like a lot of these guys. Are, are now older, <laughs> you know Trent Trent Reznor. Oh yeah, sober yeah. as well. And in Taylor Hawkins, yeah, I think Taylor Hawkins for me is what's a big Taylor water. Hawkins' now band? What's what's his well, new? He's in Foo Fighters. Taylor Hawkins, but his the new Coattail Riders. Is that it, right? Oh, oh, check right. it out. It's a good, it's a good record. As like a super biased, like obsessed with Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters and and all of them, like. It's a good record. I think yeah. it's fun. It's, I mean, nowadays you don't get that stuff that's new. You know, like the rock and roll that becomes popular and the, like the main mainstream is so watered down. Like, like I yeah. can't. The amount of times people come up to me and they're like, "Oh, have you heard Greta Van Fleet?" I'm like, "No." I like, like I, I don't. I I can listen to Zeppelin. <laughs> like, it's just I, new rock and roll that's like sounds a little different and has like a different like added stuff to it is is great it, and. Yeah, that's what rock and roll needs. You know, it yeah. needs it's old people to inspire younger people and yeah, and just What's with Perry make good and records. The, you know, the, um, and the uh, God, the uh, Heaven's Orchestra. God dang it, I've I haven't eaten three hours. What so Heaven, my... Heaven's Gate? No, uh, Perry Farrell's new uh, band. Oh, he's got a new thing going on. I need to check that out. Uh, some wide orchestra guy. So fun kind story. Kind Heaven Orchestra. Thank you. Kind Heaven Orchestra is Perry Farrell. I actually have not heard of that. I'm actually trying to sell. I, I haven't. I haven't listened to an actual CD in so long, and it's it's sad. But now I've got this whole box of stuff, and I'm 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 trying to sell it. And so I went to post it on <laughs> Facebook, and one of I'm like listing out a bunch of the band names, and I put Porno for Pyros in there. 
Oh my gosh. And the listing actually got flagged. They're like, we can't post this. Because of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they had like, write an explanation about, no, no, this isn't actual pornography. There's just a band yeah. called Porno for Pyros. They were popular <laughs> once upon a time. Yeah. Which is crazy because their music is probably not even close to as vulgar as mainstream music nowadays. Oh, right, <laughs> absolutely. Right. Well, and Perry, know, or at least not directly. <laughs> right. So occasionally I'll throw That's it on the, the lithium. I'll throw it on the lithium uh, station every once in a while. Yeah, Cyrus. I'll get a couple of bad word songs and I'm like, oh, oh my god, I can rage against machine. I can't have you know f you. I don't want to do it to tell me <laughs> coming over the radio. But I'm like. There's all kinds of like in the rap music. Yeah. You don't. It doesn't. It's not that loud, but you hear it. You hear the b words. You hear the yeah. Just really kind of rude stuff. Rock and roll. It's just so subtly done. You know, like there's so many albums that I can think of that like scared parents when they came out that aren't even close to like Alice Cooper, for example, is one like Killer is such a PG album to compare to nowadays music. Oh my god! And like yeah. it's so PG and like it, it's it's just horror rock and yeah. great music and just it's like yeah all i can say is just so pg to some of the music that is mainstream nowadays you know and it's so have yeah, you real quick have you gone to his restaurant him and randy joan uh, randy johnson own a restaurant uh in downtown phoenix no way oh dude you don't know that well that's where my parents and i are going for dinner tonight so yeah. um just shoot me the text <laughs> and the name of the restaurant you and my mom will be in, in heaven yes <laughs> it is yeah that's awesome. I did not know that. I oh, didn't know it was in Phoenix. It closed. It closed. Too bad. Oh, okay. Uh, it was right. called Alice Cooperstown. Right. Uh, okay. I feel like I would have heard of that if, okay. I, Damn if, it. if it wasn't. Yeah, uh, that's cool. But it, it closed in like closed, 2017, anyway. so you're a couple years late. Uh, that's yeah. okay. It's all right. Well, thanks for hanging Dude, out with absolutely. us. This is this has been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's been great. We'll we'll let you get back to rehabbing and you know pop on a pop on a, a record or a CD or something. Um, we're going to be out there next month. I'll be out there middle of March. I think Donovan's going a, a week, week later. After. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll awesome. have to find you somewhere. Um, Sounds good. Thanks for taking the time with us tonight. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. It's been fun. It's always fun to talk about some some music and and to talk with you guys. So yeah, thanks for having me on again. Looking forward to meeting you guys soon. Actually. 